0: You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live to the cosmos from the backyard at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn.
1: minutes late you got my head all twisted and i just can't get it straight vicious vicious vodka
2: Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizzeria on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45. Uh, Going to be joined today in the studio with uh, Maxime Belay, co-author of uh, Modernist Cuisine uh, Cookbook. Also, Oh, here he is. He's coming through right now. I see him. Uh, so I'll wait to introduce him. We're also here with uh, Hey, Dana, what's your last name? Good year. Goodyear from The New Yorker. She's just hanging out, but she's welcome to chime in anytime she wants. You okay. yeah, put on a pair of headphones. This one's for you. <laughs> okay. Right? And as usual, we're joined with Nastasha the Hammer Lopez, who's sitting typing on her computer, getting stuff done <laughs> for the cooking issues machine. Am I right? Yes, that's true. Yeah? Yes. yeah? Berlin. Berlin? Berlin. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Maxime. Here. Uh, pull up a seat. Here's your microphone and uh, your headphones. So, uh, Maxime, I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, Maxine, you were a graduate of what? ICE, Originally our arch nemesis, the FCI. Is that, is <laughs> that true? Or Indeed, ice. So. Yeah. A very, yeah. A very
3: brief since at ice.
2: Yeah, that's our arch nemesis. But then moved to uh, what anyone who was hanging around uh, in New York in, I guess, the late 90s, early 2000s, Jack's Oyster Bar, right? Fantastic place. Didn't you work there?
3: I did. I did. I, I actually went to Jack's Luxury Oyster Bar as a stagiaire f- directly from ice. The chef left um, about two weeks later. And Jack Lamb, crazy as he is, gave me the head chef job. So it was—it was quite a transition for yep. for a young chef. Um.
2: But a great—I mean, uh, you know—I w- went. I think once, but it moved across the street, right? I went when it, I went when it was on its original side of the street. Yes, and so, I think once when it was
3: across the street. Yeah, I was—I was there when it was still the um, the little carriage house. Right. And then it moved to uh, the old Makimono space.
2: What was that, on 5th Fifth, Fifth Street? It's on 5th Street. Yeah. Anyway, fabulous place, great pedigree. Went, moved from there to the Fat Duck, you know, the uh, Heston Blumenthal's famous joint, right? Indeed. Uh, and you were on the restaurant side or the development side? The development side. I,
3: I began uh, on the restaurant side, and then they quickly moved me to the development side. That was my, you know, my calling, all the, the research and the, and the, you know, great dishes that, that Heston would, would uh, push us to create.
2: And then we're ta- was tapped by uh, Nathan Miravold to, to uh, you, know, you know be a part of the Modernist Cuisine Dream Team. And so, you know, the three authors on the book, of course, Nathan, who's been on the show before, Nathan Miravold, Chris Young, good friend of ours, been on the show before, and Maxine, for the first time on the show. Well, welcome.
3: It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: And uh, Dana, who, again, may or may not chime in, I don't know, welcome to, is writing an article on strange meats. True or false? <laughs> True <laughs> True Alright, very good Nice So listen Call all of your questions In to 718 uh, That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. So how you doing? Maxine was at our bar The other day how, how? I
3: loved it the, the, Oh my god You, you were right The, the basil cocktail that you, It's delicious it's oh. so fragrant
2: Thanks, I appreciate it we're, like, It's a technique we do At uh, Booker and Dax uh, Which basically We just lost by the way Best new bar Time out in New York To a Maison Premier But it's good to lose To such a great bar Maison premier. Anyway, a uh, technique where we smash the Thai basil with uh, liquid nitrogen, and what, what happens is when it's frozen that, that, that deeply in liquid nitrogen, there's no sort of uh, enzymatic degradation of the uh, yeah. herb at all, and we can shatter it into super, super fine particles, even just using a hand muddler, then add uh, liquor directly that prevents uh, the enzymes because the enzymes can't really – Work in Absolutely. high-proof
3: liquor. Yeah, that beautiful extraction. Yeah,
2: it's, it's like, it's like yeah. the liquor sucks it straight out, and then uh, lime juice, the ascorbic acid, further prevents breakdown by uh, enzymes, and then shake it like a normal daiquiri from there on out But I like it. it's a good. And ju- the color is beautiful, but the, but the, the just the aroma is just yeah.
3: Yeah, remember. spectacular.
2: So before I get into questions, this, uh, and I hate to do this to you because everyone always asks every you know this is the question I have to ask you, and if I don't ask you, someone will get upset at By me. By all means. Well, uh, so uh, what's what's next on your plate?
3: Well, uh, right now we're really it's been the book tour. It's been an incredible journey. You know, just sharing, teaching. Um, you know every different technique and, and and all the aesthetics that we that we went into creating modern cuisine uh, were're able to share on so many levels it's just so much information and we're by having this book tour we're able to sort of unravel it and and, and look at the different aspects that went into to its making uh, but going forward we've had many propositions and we're not totally clear exactly what what the the next phase is mm. We, we we have a a little project in the, in the works that will come out soon. That's good, kind of exciting, uh, but that's just. That's. I'm going to give you a teaser on that one. Then
2: You're not allowed to tell me any more specifics. No, no. Oh. Mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> they, all they, right. You
3: know, at AV they make you sign giant NDAs, and where uh, I, uh, intellectual ventures. Oh, that's yeah, 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 yeah. so, it. So, I, I, I am bound by. <laughs>
2: all right, all right. Well, just you know, dropping it there that there is something coming, we just don't know what it is. Yeah. Thanks for making me curious now and not giving me anything. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe off air.
3: My full intention.
2: Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, by the way, in case you have randomly tuned to this podcast and don't know what modernist cuisine is. Uh, it is probably... <clears throat> the single kind of greatest cookbook publishing phenomenon mm, of all times but probably i would have to say Dave, of all times well that's very flattering yeah. next that's to good. me like look, like for, for instance right apicius is the only book on roman cookery it's not that it's a great book sure. but it's the only book right now we have a huge uh, a huge output of cookbooks and food related books and yet nothing that has ever been ki- uh, attempted much less successfully produced on this scale it's amazing i mean uh, uh, anyway, astounding book. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> and the thing is, is that even though I guess the go- the going Amazon price is what about four fifty now? Five? Yeah, uh, it's, f-
3: it's, you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah about four hundred. Yeah, so it's not
2: not an inexpensive book, but no. uh, as Nathan uh, is fond of pointing out, a lot of paper in that book.
3: A lot of paper and very good investment per you know the in- amount of information you're getting. I mean, if you if you if you think about it, it's five volumes. You break it down, it's. Uh, and the amount of work that went into it I think it's you know as a as a young chef as a as a as a passionate foodie whatever you want to call you know yourself it's i think it's a very good investment for your 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 future creative uh, culinary adventures
2: but it's less than half the price per book of the of the Elbouli books for instance yes sir. if you're going to compare if you want yeah, exactly if you want
3: to compare yes, that, that's the reference
2: yeah and uh <laughs> what's uh What's funny about it, not to speak on such venal terms about it, but, uh, you know, everyone's wondering, well, you know, Nathan, who has an unbelievable amount of money, an absurd amount of money, really, when you think about it. He's a rich man. He's
3: very well. He's yeah. done very well for himself, yeah. Yeah. and he's yeah. worked hard for it. Wait, so.
2: wait, wait, well, I'm not saying anything negative about it. yeah. He's got a lot of money. He's, you know, multi-billionaire. But uh, everyone was like, well, you know, this is kind of, uh, this is kind of, uh, one of the criticisms you hear is that it's just because he has a lot of money, he's never going to make the money back. But, in fact, the book is good enough. It's, it's making the money Way actually back.
3: make it's actually beco- becoming on the edge of profitable and that that was never the intention but you know the f- i mean we thought we would sell 2000 copies maybe and now we're almost at 30000 copies and at that price point yeah we we're, we're we're recuperating the you know the investment that was made and that's that's amazing.
2: I mean, the fact that it's actually going to be a profitable book, yeah. I think, is yeah. the greatest sign of, I mean, look, su- su- I mean, success in terms of kind of the impact that it's going to make in the world, the fact that something can be at that cost, can have that much money dumped into its production, yep. right, yep. which Nathan will never divulge what the actual number is, but we know it's a lot because, I mean, at, at minimum, you ha- at mi- bare minimum, you had at least 15, you know, very, very qualified people working Full time for how many years? Plus, then a lot At more. At for...
3: three and a half. You had a full team,
2: and, and then yeah. and then a lot more than the fifteen for a big chunk of that time. For
3: for the the final year push when we really had to get everything together, it was almost forty. You know, including yeah. all the ghostwriters and the the copy editors, and it was it was a pretty you know massive team of of uh, experts in you know in what they did.
2: Yeah, and so the yeah, and so for for something of that magnitude to be able to break even, just I think goes to show. Uh, kind of how ripe the time was for this information the need for the book and also uh you know it's just i think it's an interesting measure so one, one that's often not talked about actually in the when people talk about the book they don't talk about that aspect of absolutely
3: it. no and i'm glad you bring that up because it, it was it was the, it, in terms of timing and and people being you know open to what this means you know that that that, that merging of, of of art and science which is a beautiful thing um uh, and it's something that, that you know a lot of 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 classic traditionalists you know wanting to to reject and at the same time uh when you embrace it you realize that that each each really enhances the other and it's 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 such a clean beautiful relationship that it's yeah it it was primed for that and people are responding that way and so that's that's a testament to the progress we've made with 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 looking at the different roles of food
2: and, and something else, I think, I, I might have commented on this show about it uh, before. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, if you haven't seen the book at all, one of the interesting things about it is, um, and this is something I hadn't expected before I was able to see it, is kind of how personal it is. It's not, uh, in other words, it's not, uh, it's not in the Encyclopedia Britannica. It's, it's, not, it's not a cold textbook. No, yeah, no, no. By, by no means. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of personal feelings, personal. Uh, I mean, it's it's there's some it, humor.
3: There's, the, I mean, there's, there's the, yeah, a lot of personal aspects.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great book. Anyway, so we have a we have a question on the book. Someone who uh, read actually from uh, Zymergy, the uh, blog, I guess. Yeah, uh, had a question regarding uh, the Spetzel recipe in the book, and I'll read it. Uh, even though it's addressed to me, yes. I'll read it to you since Absolutely. you're going to know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, I've attempted uh, the Modernist Cuisine Sour Cream Spätzle uh, recipe twice now with less than desirable results. So you're going to troubleshoot this.
3: Oh, f- okay. Yeah, that, let's, let's, fi- let's fix this one.
2: All right. The issues are that they will not uh, form into a shape. The first time I attempted them, they basically dissolved into the ice water. The second time, I received a new batch of uh, Activa YG. Uh, by the way, that's meat, meat glue. But it's actually like a protein bonder. YG is the one that's yeah. made for dairy and for protein dairy. stuff. Uh, made the recipe, and split the batch in two. I then used a... Before we go on, why don't you describe the recipe first so that people know what we're talking yeah, about.
3: Yeah, so this is actually a recipe inspired by, uh, by Alex Naki from uh, Ideas in Food. And uh, we really, uh, as part of our um, uh, beef uh, uh, cheek uh, goulash, we wanted to have a, a modernist uh, special component. And uh, and so that that was the basis for creating the recipe. And it's it's a combination of I think it's cream. Cheese. I have to, I have to look at the recipe in right. front of me to, to to be fully aware. All right, but yeah. But, but basically, it's it's a dairy based spetz, uh where uh, we've we're using the 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 ba- binding properties of Activa YG. We also use uh, an additional um, element of protein. Uh, the uh, we use al- al- there's albumin in there, and what you create is these very fluffy little dumplings that. Uh, um, after being set with that enzymatic process, then are uh, nicely toasted in brown butter and uh, served as a garnish for this for this you know very unctuous seventy uh, two hour beef cheek.
2: All right, and so the, the proteins in it. Uh Egg, egg proteins, I guess, yes, yeah, egg yeah, white yeah. proteins, and also uh, the, the,
3: the dairy proteins. The dairy all, proteins all the, yeah.
2: are being bound together with an enzyme, transglutaminase, and meat glue. Yep. Set and then uh, to- po- poached and then toasted. Or d- yeah,
3: yeah. Well, well, they're actually they're never actually poached. They, what, you do, what we do is we uh, sieve them after they've uh, one, once the enzymatic process has begun. We sieve them into um, through the uh, sh- maker. Right. Into uh, ice water, and you get these nice little dumpling into shapes. Uh, okay, and then you, and then you give him a final fry to to really okay. give him that that textural contrast
2: so the first time that Red made them it dissolved into the ice water the second time uh, received a new batch of the Activa YG made yeah. them and split the batch in two used one quarter of the batch as directed with the same results let the other half set in the fridge for 24 hours thinking that it needed time to set up yeah. that was also not the answer by the way uh, protein gel made with Activa once set if it's broken it's broken it's, it's not broken gonna, it's right. not you're, you're
3: breaking your gel absolutely yeah. uh,
2: so that yes so as, as pointed out that was not the answer because that won't work No. Uh, the last uh, quarter of the batch went into the freezer another failure I can attest that I'm Oh, following the recipe to the letter but cannot seem to get this one down I'm not sure if you know the formulation or not but anything that you could add would be helpful uh, gelatin water sour cream ricotta whey protein isolate YG. oh there's gelatin in it too there's gelatin yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we so want to
3: give a, give a maximum amount of, of protein capacity
2: how come you don't do a you know um, how come you, oh the, the cold water then sets the gelatin yes. and then the gelatin's cross linked by the YG exactly. so I would bet that they're not I would bet that you're not, they're not waiting long enough for the gelatin to, to get syrupy that's right yeah, that, that's a
3: good. That's a very good point. You, uh, you, w- when you're when you have your base mixture, letting the gelatin hydrates, uh, uh, you know, at least, I mean, doing that over an ice water bath until it gets that that syrupy consistency, uh, and then and then setting it directly into the ice water is is one of the tricks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people like. What, for me, like uh, one of the great meat glue applications involving gelatin is my brother-in-law Wiley Dufresne's, uh veg noodles and like quinoa yes, chips. Absolutely. And a lot of people have trouble duplicating that recipe, and I think ninety nine percent of the time it's because they're not getting the, the gelatin uh, hydration and yeah. the,
3: the
2: yeah yeah. I mean, one of the sad, I mean, one, not sad. One of the interesting things about a lot of these uh, a lot of these techniques is they really do require. As sometimes it is helpful to see people do it, absolutely, because there is a lot of like uh, the hand in it. I know that like, you know like um, Wiley also used to do a very kind of a well known in in WD fifty a well known recipe where he would. Uh, take uh, car- carrot and cardamom uh, I think it was carrot no I did carrot c- carrot whatever carrot and then he would freeze it uh, and dip it in a mixture of uh, a cap of and locust bean gum right, f- right. to make his egg yolk they
3: make the yolk with the egg with the, egg, uh, with the- the egg white, yeah. Uh, the egg
2: white was a coconut, coconut, yeah, coconut like a like LBG. yeah, yeah. A very exactly. famous uh, WD fifty dish, uh, which we have in the book, really. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the truth is, it's actually a very difficult recipe if you've never done it before. It takes a lot of practice yeah. to get those egg yolks to work properly, and when you're first doing it, uh, you'll get like one in eight will work you know what i mean absolutely and then by the time you know you've been doing service every day for uh, a month you lose one in 20. do you know what i mean but but there was always like the one cook in the kitchen who their job was to do all 60 of those every day get them plated get them away and you know they had the magic touch but it really comes from practice so a lot of these things some practice exactly
3: it's a huge amount of practice yeah And, and feel and you know exactly
2: so listen Call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. We're going to go to commercial break. Be right back with Maxime Belay. Cooking issues! All right. (laughs) Booker team, the MGs, nice. Coming back with Cooking Issues, Maxime Belay. Caller, you are on the air. Uh, Yeah, hi, Dave.
4: Thanks. Um, I don't know how relevant my question is to your um, modernist show today, but um, I'm charged with making some dairy-free mashed potatoes for this weekend. Ooh. And um, I've seen some recipes online that basically call up for, like, chicken broth or some milk substitute, like soy milk or almond milk, to uh, simulate the creaminess like that, that dairy would to mashed potatoes, and I was wondering if you had any um, alternative suggestions.
2: How how long do you have from now?
4: How lo- I'm sorry. How long do I have?
2: Yeah, how long do you have to get the recipe together from today?
4: Um, I mean, I'm making them Friday night. Hmm.
2: What do you think, Maxima? I would go for like an emulsion. I would do like a I would,
3: veg- vegetable. I mean, if you really want the creaminess, you have to have some veg- like yeah, vegetable oil base and. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what starch you would use.
2: I mean, or, you know, yeah. if you were going to do – I mean, you could almost get, like, a, a mixture of gum, Arabic, and xanthan, like the tickled you, you that could, we use. You could do that one. And you could do, a, like, an, like, an oil, like, a very heavy oil-water yeah. emulsion. Yeah. That'll hold as it dilutes and, or as it's mixed with a solid, and you could get some of that – you'll get some of that creaminess, and you could just choose a delicious –
3: Oil. I wonder if you could do a slurry of the um, like a, the the potato flakes, uh, hydrate them just a little bit, uh, and then blend in the uh, the like a vegetable oil and make that your your, your fat base. So.
2: I'm just I'm a little worried that if you don't pre-emulsify
3: it, that it might break. It, it, it could, but, this, but, the, but the amount of, it depends on the ratio. If you're doing like. The Robuchon, or like very, like very That's high 50%, fat, yeah. like fifty percent fat. Huh? But if you want the the unctuousness, I mean, you know, even fifteen twenty percent fat, I think the amount of starch that you already have in the potato uh, will act as a, as a pretty good emulsifier for for a vegetable oil base.
2: I mean, have you tried just a vegetable oil base yet?
4: I, I really haven't even played around with it that much. I've just kind of started looking into it right now.
2: All right, well, first I would go bonehead simple, like we said, and just, you know, yeah. make mashed potatoes and beat uh, some, uh, you know, put oil into it. I mean... Right. G- gently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, obviously. Put it through like a... I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Don't turn it to glue. <laughs> no, yes. please. No chewing yeah. no gum mashed potatoes. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. And then after that, uh, my next step would be to move into... Uh, uh, my next step would be to move into something like... Um, like a takeaway, like a xanthan gum arabic yeah, yeah. mix. That's a great thing. Hey, what about like, uh, hey, does it doesn't have to be dairy free and, uh, completely like, what about eggs? Combined with like an egg yolk and then with no, the eggs what No, egg,
3: eggs are fine. Basically egg yolk would be great. Passover egg, and at and the last second, you, like so a carbonara style where you just it, get that richness. Eggs are
4: fine. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. You know, just no dairy, basically.
2: I think, you know, yeah, you could go like old school, like almost using the egg yolk, like super thick, but like... like egg
4: yolk would. instead of the gum, Arabic, and xanthan just to... Um, As your emulsifier, yeah,
3: absolutely. Because yeah,
2: it's going to add some of the emulsifiers absolutely. that you would not... Yeah, it's
3: so you're basically making a mayonnaise and folding it. In. I mean, it's uh, it's it's exactly that.
2: Yeah, I think if you're allowed to use egg, but just make sure you don't get the temperature too high again. Exactly. You know, do you have access to a circulator?
4: Wait. Yeah, wait till the um, potatoes cool off a little bit. A little
2: bit. Yeah, but do you, do you have a circulator or no?
4: No, no, I'm pretty much working. I live in Brooklyn, and this—I t- don't even have a
3: kitchen. I just yes. kind of—but—but—but but, but <laughs> if you—if if, you, if you just get a seven-seven-eight-dollar digital thermometer, you check the, the temperature of your potatoes right when you—you know—before you want to serve them, and you fold that in to mm-hmm. give it that—you know—just that—that—that folding, you know. Just that, 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 um, folding, um, you know technique I think that would be great yeah
2: but just do it at the last minute exactly if you have a circulator you can cheat and and spread it out in a ziploc and go but yeah but just wait until the last minute Yeah, last minute
3: and Uh, and if you
4: do potatoes season them up you know keep them yeah, you know, start whatever they are and then warm, you fold yeah. that
3: in at the very end. Yeah, and use a ri- ricer's or, or or a potato mill to have your, your your potato base, and then at the last second you, you you fold it in with the right ratio, and that's something where you just keep on adding in just to get the right mouth feel, and you you just have to keep on tasting for that. Um, another cool thing that we love to do for to increase the potato flavor as well, if you're using oil, that's a great medium for that. You can take the skins from the potatoes, uh, the potato peels, obviously that you, you, you've uh, uh, sure, take, sure. taken away from peel your peel before, exactly, and fry them in the oil uh, beforehand that you're going to use for your mayonnaise. So they have, a, they have a beautiful, deep, nutty flavor, and then strain that, cool that down, make your mayonnaise like that, and then you'd have a really intensely flavored uh, and creamy mashed potato.
4: Not oh, cool that sounds, that sounds great what what kind of frying on that like like deep frying or just kind of oh, like oh you, a, know, in a you pan know just just just, just, in a, just in a
3: pan you know and you do, you have your skins in there and you you wait until they get sort of you know crisp and, and and golden you don't want to burn them you don't want to get any bitter flavors but just sure, until just until you extract them exactly you're just extracting the, the some of those great. really beautiful flavors awesome right. thanks
2: guys well, good good luck let's know how it works out
3: absolutely do we sti- right. Right. yeah i will thank uh, you so much
2: thank you hey do we still have another caller all right, caller, you are on the air. Yeah, hello. Hi. Oh, you got an echo. Hi, uh, yeah. Okay, sorry. An echo? Hold on a
0: second. Is that any
2: better? Nah, no. nah we'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: hi. Uh, so uh, I'm a current student at SCI, actually, and I had a question kind of related to something I'm trying to do for my menu project. Okay. Uh, and so um, two, two questions I need both to create food in uh, large sheets, and also I'm, I'm asking about uh, edible threads, if you know of anything.
2: Uh, Wait, large sheets of what? And edi- yeah, what was this? F-
0: yeah, okay, so, um, for example, I mean, one of the things I'm trying to use is uh, Yuba, which is easy enough to get into a large sheet, but I was also thinking about using transglutamase uh, to bind thin sheets, thin slices of meat into large sheets. Yes, um, sure. I guess, are you familiar with uh, Shibori?
3: Shibori knows shibori,
0: shibori. No. body shibori is a Japanese uh resist dyeing technique like a, a very badass form of tie dye basically oh
3: yeah yeah okay
0: mm-hmm. uh and so the idea is to
3: is, it, is take food silk screening and, or is it hmm? is it silk silk screening or is it Silk... So yeah
0: cleaning i'm not sure uh no no i guess so my idea is um taking uh foods and binding them using these resist techniques, we actually weave thread into the fabric and then pull it tight and bunch it in different designs, and then you dye it, and where the fabric is pulled tight, it resists the dyeing.
2: Right, okay. So
0: the idea is to bind food, and then it would then resist different cooking methods through the different courses, either by taking like a sheet of sashimi, uh, binding it very carefully and bunching it, and then soaking it in a like ceviche base so that it, the bound portions resist the acid they aren't exposed to the acid, and so some of it comes out as sort of a ceviche uh, cure, and then some of it comes out as the sashimi, for example.
2: Hmm. Okay.
0: I mean, looking for an edible thread that is fine enough to do that sort of work uh, with something as delicate as fish, but that is still edible.
2: How strong? how strong how? like scallion scallion comes to mind as the classic thread sure, sure 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 you know what i mean like mm. uh, yeah, like chives or, yeah. like long pieces yeah. that are then you know lightly blanched i mean that's right. the classic yeah. you know thing like that 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 works i mean i'm sure there's others uh,
3: yeah i mean i mean you can you can do starch based ones i mean that would be consist of making uh, a starch paper based on uh, like maybe a really good uh, prehydrated tapioca starch mm. uh, you make a leather maybe a little bit of oil so that the, the it breaks down in your mouth uh, more easily and i think i think that might be I I don't it, know, but then you have yeah, a tough might time might when it's in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in contact Absolutely. with the with the
2: fish okay so you need something waterproof right which means that you're you're dealing with i mean th- th- that right there is a problem so now you're you're basically down to long long scale plant fibers or, or, or,
3: yeah, absolutely. Or, or you could do a gluten base, actually. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Yeah, Can you make do... that strong enough? Yo, absolutely. Yeah, we've yeah. done it with, with pasta. We've done it where if you do if you if you cut them just fine enough, you could do a very uh, a, a, a fresh pasta enriched with with about depending on the flour you're using, five to seven percent uh, vital wheat gluten. And Bob's Red Mill okay. is a really good brand. And you could get that, uh, you could get a very uh, uh, sort of you know. Uh, 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 elastic yeah. um thread that would be you know very workable but also break down as you chew very easily can so you hit it with rm to make it even tougher or not? That, that we we've done that for the for buckwheat because there was we had the protein content but we didn't have enough st- uh, uh, of uh, um of the 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 the, the starch right so yeah oh. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah the I, I think would be very protein.
0: work very well with the meat course too yeah. have you guys heard of uh was it um
2: uh, collagen thread oh yeah yeah it doesn't break down so nicely though yeah, not, in the not mouth feels, not yeah feels yeah. not mm-hmm. so nice yeah I mean obviously like well think about it this way I mean co- co- collagen on the outside doesn't break down as nicely as like intestine for instance sure. uh, right tripe would be cool yeah, that would be cool that would work <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah. You
3: know? yeah honeycomb tripe is an amazing yeah
2: yeah, or, yeah. Or, or or like long like carefully cut pieces of uh, sausage casing Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: That's, that's great yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And as as for gluing sheets, it's no problem. That's no problem. Yeah, that's stuff's meant to do it. Here's my one recommendation. The only time I've ever had uh, meat glue provide an off flavor in a dish that I've done was when I glued a um, I I glued many many layers of different colored fish together and then uh, vacuumed them together. So
3: cool, though.
2: Well, no, but yeah, but so so the first time I did it, I over meat glued it and I vacuumed it. And I let it cure in the vacuum bag, Ah, and then I had I perceived a flavor that and, and I. But so the second time I did it. I used a much less amount of meat glue, vacuumed it, and then before, like right after I crushed it into shape, yeah. I cut the bag open, yeah. and then it could air out in sure. the fridge while it was mm-hmm. setting. And and then, the yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of- yeah. So, I let
0: that flavor come off. Yeah. Would so- you, especially with fish, um, when I am butchering before you put the sheets together, would you cut them across like you're doing for sashimi or along the grain to kind of provide stability?
2: Uh,. Uh-huh. Any like thin, beautiful sheet of fish is gonna be absurdly uh delicate yeah. no matter how you yeah. do it yeah. uh unless you're literally cutting um unless you're literally cutting in a big piece and then preserving the sinew along the cut which is possible like i you know we've done tuna sinews delicious you yeah. know uh but mm-hmm. you're gonna be tough getting big pieces that stuff you could you could you could hit somebody in the face with it won't break but <laughs> but
3: yeah i guess yeah. If, if if you were to- if you were to like partially cure the meat um then you might have mm. yeah i mean if, if you give it a not cure i would actually do a brine but if you were to do like a three and a half salt percentage you know to to water uh two percent sugar brine uh you might be able to get a, a little bit more uh elasticity and and um i think structure uh mm. to the fish
2: yeah, I mean, the best way to slice, yeah. unless you're going to do some sort of special slicing, yeah. is to par-freeze fr- par it. Don't freeze it all the way. Par Just freeze. get it, par-freeze, throw it on uh, like a very high-quality meat slicer and go directly in between sheets of wax paper and then keep them almost frozen until you're about to use them because once those things thaw out, good night. It's, yeah. With mm-hmm.
0: a transglutaminase. Still work while it's frozen, or would you apply
2: it frozen if it thaws and no, would activate? No, no, Needs to thaw. Needs to thaw yeah. in order for the what you what what you do is is because so when we when we, you know when I was doing it, I would take the the you know fairly stiff but not fully frozen sheets. I would layer them, uh, and then as soon as the salt and the sugar from the cure hits them, they melt out, yeah. and then you have a, a block. But then you don't lift them again. That's it. That's you know it, what I mean? They're it. they're it done. Um, yeah, you know.
0: All right. Excellent, thank you very
4: much.
2: Jeff. And if you want to see a, a, a video, I have a video on cooking issues uh, on the blog, mm-hmm. I think, or linked to from a star chef's video I did where I did mokume Gane, which is the Japanese metalworking kind of uh, you know yeah. te- technique, and you can see the kind of in practice like thin sheets of fish glued together. It's not what you want to do, but it might give you some uh, visual pointers on how to handle the products. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. I'm I'm really curious to see how uh, this all comes together. uh, Send us some some photos.
0: I I will definitely uh, send you guys some photos. I have a a friend who does a lot of food photography who's very interested also, who wants to document it. So I will definitely send you guys something. Awesome. Cool photos and stuff. Excellent. Thank you very much for talking with me
2: today. Thank you. So, do we, we have any more callers or should we take some email stuff? Let's do some emails, I think. All right do some emails. Yeah, I heard there was someone, but I heard that, which means we lost him. Uh, okay, uh, let's see, we went, I'm probably, you know, it's nice that we're getting some calls, which means I probably won't get to all of the email questions, anything that I miss this week, I will try to get uh, next week. Uh, Michael writes in about nutmeg. Here's a question, I recently ordered a set of food-grade essential oils from uh, Aftelier, which is Mandy Aftel, do you, you work with her over there? She's we we haven't course.
3: worked with, I know did work with Daniel Patterson for a while, and then that's... Uh
2: yeah, and she's right. good buddies with uh, yeah. Harold McGee, Absolutely. and yeah, and so she has she's a, basically a perfumer uh, out of uh, San Francisco or thereabouts, Bay Area, yeah. and she does a lot of interesting uh, stuff. And she actually has a line in William Sonoma now that just launched, but yeah. I haven't seen it because I haven't been to William Sonoma in like how long? I just, <laughs> I just don't go. You know what I mean? I'm forbidden to buy kitchen equipment. People, by the way, like literally, if I brought another anything, in house, yeah, 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 right. I mean, anyway. Uh, so I recently order, ordered a set of food grade essential oils from uh, Aftelier. Uh, fun stuff, especially for those of us that don't have a rotovap. Although rotovap doesn't make essential oils, just be clear on this: rotovap does distillation, but not the steam distillation. That is what happens when you're making essential oils. It's kind of a different piece of equipment. I don't do steam distillation because I don't have a rig for it. Anyway, you guys have the baller rotovap, we the huge one. Jeez, I, you know what? The Butchie. Come hang out. Let's you, play. You, you know what? The thing is, is like I say, like <laughs> a, 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 anything I ever negative I I would ever say about these guys is strictly due to jealousy, <laughs> just straight up jealousy. All right. Oh god. Uh, okay. So uh, one of the items in my set is nutmeg essential oil. I seem to remember from reading Soul on Ice, which is I guess Eldridge Cleaver's book. Uh, that nutmeg was a popular prison hallucinogen with horrible side effects. So now I'm a little scared to use this stuff. Is there a chance that the hallucinogen is concentrated or conversely, a reason to believe it was left behind, uh, behind other words, not in the oil, uh, to make sure it's completely safe? Okay, look, uh, the, the compound, there's several possible psychoactive compounds in nutmeg. Uh, one of them is uh, meristocin is the kind of famous one. Uh, parsley seed oil has a lot of it. And if you go to Arrowid, which is like the place where kind of... Uh, thinking druggies go to put down their kind of mental thoughts on this is where I go Uh, most of those people aren't using nutmeg uh, they're using uh, parsley seed oil which has a high concentration of this in various capsules listen uh, that compound uh, is uh, is aromatic and it's actually characteristic of nutmeg so uh, there is no way that you uh, making a dish that you enjoy the taste of uh, are going to uh, get poisoned
3: the levels would be ridiculous,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, who, people who typically, to get a hallucinatory effect out of it, uh, people will do things like grate a whole nutmeg or two and then uh, <laughs> kind of like somehow choke it down and it's described as the most vile thing that they've ever done in their <laughs> lives and then like three you know hours later they start feeling some sort of uh, psychoactive effects. So this is not something that you would accidentally do uh you know i mean could you take that oil uh pack it into gel caps uh pound it and do yourself harm yeah yeah yeah, I mean, one of the problems with uh, nutmeg is that, uh, it, so you know, psychoactive uh, substances are kind of the, you know the the thing with them is is there there are certain psychoactive substances that uh, that the danger level is fairly close to the psychoactive level, and I think nutmeg is closer than many in that kind of spectrum, which is kind of where the bad kind of uh, you know rep comes from because yeah. you know if you eat. Uh, one grated nutmeg, you're, you know, you won't die. But if you eat, like, three, like, there might be renal failure or something like that. So it's like, and, and you know, an order of uh, a three is not a safety level that most druggies would be happy with, you know, between activity and death. Like, it's not a happy number. Like, an order of magnitude is a more friendly kind of a number. Um, but anyways, don't worry about it. Like, what I'm saying is don't worry about yeah.
3: it. A little grating here and there. yes. Delicious. Yeah.
2: Also, apparently, uh, and again from Arrowhead, uh the stuff degrades over time, similar to thujone, which we're going to talk about in a minute with absinthe. And uh, in other words, so if you use nutmeg that's old, it's lost some of its principle. So you know, even if you somehow are able to, you know, choke down, you know, that uh, jar of McCormick ground nutmeg that's in your uh, grocery uh, it's store, most, mostly yeah. gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly gone, and you probably not that. I, not that I recommend it. So uh, don't uh, don't worry. Don't worry. Right. Absolutely. Don't worry. No. Uh, we well, might as well do this on a on a. Uh Similar one We have in from uh, Tom Fisher In Lansdowne PA longtime uh, listener uh, First of all He has a centrifuge question Let's knock that out first Right Okay, cool. okay Before it. we get to the food zone Got my centrifuge Good I'm glad to hear it That's yes. one of All of our favorite yeah. pieces of equipment good, Yeah yes, centrifuge our, yeah. My baby Yeah you're on the Cutting edge by the way Like yeah. in 15 years let, Many more High quality restaurants Are going to have centrifuges And people won't think that, that you're a freak show When you suggest that they go get one Absolutely he, not it's, it's coming to homes
3: too This is the next cuisine uh you know. Really, they're going to make one? I think so. I think really? they, they, they were very s- s- curious about it yesterday. So let's see.
2: Really? Yeah. Oh, but by the way, before we get to this question, uh, yesterday was the IACP. Uh, I didn't go because I had a, a bunch of events I had to do. But you uh, you. the the I, oh, thank you the uh, the award ceremony. And last year, uh, Modernist Cuisine was about to come out, and I co-hosted with Chris Young, you know, one of the other authors. And uh, we were, I was telling him joking that next year, if you don't win every damned book award, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a Travis and uh, in fact you guys won three we won three including one that they made up for you right like profound what was it
3: was it it was uh, oh god it was like just like a future invention or you know it it was they were very gracious and we were very very honored to receive these awards
2: bad year to write a different book (laughs) <laughs> uh, anyway okay uh, in the cooking world that is okay so uh, especially a professional book and or one that purports to have amazing photographs because you're just going to get swamped anyway okay so got a centrifuge Just spun me some strawberries uh, but I have an issue I tossed the strawberries in the blender added two grams uh, per, le- per no two grams of uh, Pectinex Ultra SPL, which is a Pectinex enzyme uh, for 500 grams of strawberry. that's, you know, more dose than you need, you could probably do one in that amount, but yeah. two's not going to hurt you. You just don't want to put so much Pectinex in that it, uh, that you start, it has a slightly fermented aroma. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, blend it until slightly warm. Good practice. Rested 10 minutes good practice. 10 to 20, good practice. Uh, if you do something that's going to break down like bananas, you don't want to rest in any longer than 10 because it'll start to get kind of brown uh, flavors. Uh, sp- and spun for 10 minutes. I would, you don't say what speed. I'm assuming you have a centrifuge that'll do about 4,000 times the force of gravity. 10 minutes is on the edge. 10 to 15 is good better longer, yeah. at those speeds just because uh, it will clarify almost instantly but the puck solidity is going to get a lot higher when you go faster. Okay, got a very solid puck and crystal clear juice. Glad to hear it. But on top was a layer of what appears to be the same material as the puck but floating on top like a vinegar mother scooping it out clouded the juice but spinning for five minutes more cleared it up nicely is this result of air bubbles trapped in the mix yes yeah if, if you have a vacuum machine vacuum that sucker out break it before and get the air out no problem no problem right absolutely right I mean this is something that you know Maxime and I do Every day. day. And uh, glad to hear... We've got it running all day. Yeah, Ours actually is acting up. I have to get a new motor. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not yeah, We we have to
3: replace the motor, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: If you're using a centrifuge that only goes up to about 4,000 Gs, the buckets really aren't... It's not like a hazard to life and limb, but your motors will have to be replaced eventually. It's about a $900 problem in the one we have. Anyway. uh, Now, the second question, the different question. Uh, Absinthe. Years ago, when Absinthe first became legal, legal to sell in the U.S., I bought a bottle... Uh, and the maker seemed very energetic about saying it was free of contaminants like thujone from the wormwood. It's not a contaminant. It's an ingredient. <laughs> Damn it. People are so crazy. All right. Uh, it it's, seemed all right. It's the basis for absinthe. Yeah, right? Anyway, yeah. Uh, it seemed uh, all right, but nothing to write home about. More recently, a friend got a bottle and was telling me about it, saying it was made from the original illegal formula. I said I'd like to try, uh, I said I'd tried the Thujone free version years ago and laughed and said, Thujone free absinthe is like alcohol free rum. Thujone is what makes it special. So, what's the real deal? Uh, thanks for doing the show every week. Okay. So, look, thujone is another purported uh, hallucinogenic, uh, uh, you know, psychoactive uh, compound that is found in wormwood, which is one of the the characteristic herb from uh, other than the anise taste, you know, uh, from um, absinthe, Uh, you know, and all of the later ones like, you know, not later but different ones like Pernod not the, reg- the regular one or or Ricard or Pastis or any one of these southern French like I'm a, I'm a small man in Marseille drinking stuff not small but old it's, I don't mean small physically it's, but it's but, delicious yeah it's good but it's especially good in the summer in Marseille when you're sitting is. out you know what I mean Marseille well, is a great town nice by the way
3: nice and
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Marseille fantastic town I really like it anyway uh, point is that uh, Thujon in, uh, there's a lot of research out there the one that you should go uh, look at again you can get to it via uh arrowid vaults but uh there's a bunch of papers out there um where they studied old pre ban uh, absinthe bottles and found that modern absinthe has roughly similar levels to uh, older absinthe, that the longer that, uh, and that's not really high enough to get you cranked up on Thujone by itself unless you drank so much that the ethanol is going to have you stumbling and falling over. So, is there some sort of synergism between like the smaller amount of Thujone that's actually in absinthe right. and You know, who knows? Who can tell? But like most of the studies that have been done, quantitative studies out there, point to the fact that uh, really what's happening is you're getting drunk. Uh, And uh, I mean, horribly drunk. Especially if you're trying to see uh, how much absinthe it takes you to have a Thujone effect, you're going to be plastered. Plus, there's a placebo effect. Right? Uh, the, other, the other thing is, is that wormwood, uh, thujone quantity in wormwood, this has also been checked, goes down radically as it's stored on drying. So if you have your own wormwood uh, or other Artemis species sitting around and you... Um, and you then uh, like take it right away and make absinthe you're going to have much higher thujone levels than if you take a commercially prepared one that you get in an herb shop that's been dried and sitting around for a year uh, and you're going to get a much uh, lower quality of thujone but uh, quantity but even so uh, the numbers seem to indicate that you're not going to get crunked on the uh, on the thujone that you're going to get shellacked by the ethanol now uh, uh, thujone is uh, it's is it oregano or sage oil it's one of those two go look it up on the internets uh, and it's super Super high in Thujone. I'm not telling you to go take this, uh, right? <laughs> but if you need to know what Thujone uh, goes, like go get a proper dose. Uh, response, really, you know, uh, relationship off of the internets, uh, any one of these, uh, you know, herbal drug sites has many, many users who have uh, put this stuff in. Make sure that you don't listen to anyone that doesn't tell you um, like relative quantities in different oils and also uh, body weight phenomena, things like this, because you want to get your doses uh, yes. right. And I've never I've never tried it. But you know what? I've tried other things that other people like suppose have supposed psychoactive effects. Like for instance, you know, uh, when I was in Colombia, we were doing coca leaf infusions with coca leaf tea, nice. and yeah, and I've never done cocaine, so I don't know what, what that's like. I, I didn't feel anything different, but I had people who had a lot more than I did report that uh, it kept them up at night. For instance, so there was, but, uh, but a lot Put of this extra energy, right? But it, a lot yeah. of this could just be mental. Do you know what it, I mean? Absolutely, just placebo. If you tell someone you're having coca leaf infusion.
3: Oh, there's an excitement there's a, there's a there's a psychological reaction which is you
2: know yeah, yeah. anyway uh, okay let's take one more commercial do we have time to take one more commercial break alright let's take one more commercial break call your questions to 718-497-2128 718-497-2128 cooking issues <laughs>
1: Sleep along, cause I got them deep river blues. My old gal, she's a good old pal.
2: Welcome back to Cooking Issues. By the way, I'm not, uh, Angela Gabatz, one of my favorite interns of all time. Uh, wrote in from Nebraska, but I'm not going to have time to get your uh, question this time. I'm going to get you next time, Angela. All right. On to the last question of the day, and I really want to talk w- about this with Maxime because it's something I, th- I think that he's probably interested in. Steve Krendel, uh writes in, uh, have, you know, have you seen the paper, this interesting paper, on uh, food pairing hypothesis? Uh, and it's called A uh, Flavor Network and the Principles of Food Pairing by uh, – uh, Yang, uh, Yang yil on at all. Okay, and it was a paper uh, last year by you know by a peop- bunch of people in in a um, out of a bunch of different uh, institutions. Uh, anyway, so what I, I haven't had a chance really to have uh, Maxime look at the paper. Yes. So we're not going to talk specifically about uh, the paper. More about just the general uh, the general concept of it, um, but. The basic concept of food pairing uh, has been uh, popular over the last, uh, I don't know, what do you think, the decade or so? Yeah, at least, yeah, 10,
3: 15 years. I mean, really...
2: You know, and it's something that, uh, you know, at the fat duck you're exposed L-B- to. A lot. Yeah. Duck, and the-, the basic premise is, is that you can get, uh, and it's controversial, and Maxime and I, we've never discussed it together, so no. we, we might violently disagree, which would be an awesome way to end the show. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the the basic principle is that you can learn something about food pairings or get interesting food pairing ideas by looking at the actual chemical similarities between right. Right. different food the items. The co- right. And so uh, d- what, what happens is, is there's large Databases of uh, what flavor components are in various different ingredients, and then those are analyzed. And uh, the fat duck was famous for which ones? The, the white
3: chocolate and caviar both had a, a very similar uh, uh, volatile components, and it was very interesting. Was it good? I actually never had it. I, I knew the idea. Then I had a, a, co- uh, a, a cocoa and roasted cauliflower. Also, both shared a, a compound. And that was a, it. Was a beautiful marriage, and makes no sense in you know in, in sort of a, a traditional context. But when you taste it together, you realize that th- there is there is definitely value to uh, approaching it that way. I don't think it's as, it's as consistent and as secure of a, an approach that, that people will, will, will presume when they're when they're really getting into this right. Um, I, I mean, the, approach. From,
2: The study, which you should read, is actually quite interesting. What they've done is they've taken uh, a bunch of recipe databases uh, and then they've analyzed uh, the recipe databases to see whether when you scan across many thousands of recipes – is there more often than not shared ingredient shared ingredient flavor components or not A pattern, right? and in the western uh, corpus there was and it was correlated that more than the statistically random amount of recipes shared flavor components Right. and in their east asian uh, data analysis uh, fewer than the statistically uh, number of shared ones would and and but what it boiled down to the really interesting thing is is that basically what it is is that 75% of the recipes they pulled in Western cuisine shared a very small number of flavor uh, yeah. a small number of ingredients sure. and those ingredients shared a lot of things like butter, milk, like
3: like a lot right, of the, right, yeah. right. It's, it's very simple um, yeah
2: right and the six most common uh, you know Asian ingredients didn't share a lot of characteristics and so because those things basically weighted everything out and all of the other recipes if you remove the most common uh, you know six to ten ingredients out of uh, out of our out of our toolkits then it's basically statistically random in terms of that which is interesting here's my personal feeling about it is that anything that gives you an idea that's going to make you uh that's going to give you a good flavor then fine do it whether it's like throwing dice uh using a uh you know a a dowsing rod whatever the hell it is if it gives you a good idea it's good uh, but that you know, nothing in the world. There's no no chemical analysis is going to replace your memory, your taste palate, you, you, what you've done before. Like you might get an idea and then try it and then know how to tweak it. But there's just there is no there is no substitute for having tasted a lot and having cooked a lot.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And to to sort of you know it's interesting that the the um, I guess the the parallel between Western cuisine and and, and Eastern cuisine and and how we're we're noticing that, that that these correlations, um, what I think is really interesting about Eastern cuisine in this sense is that you know taking away the the sort of uh, chemical uh, balance of of a few few uh, ingredients uh, is is the balance of flavor and and what I love about Eastern cuisine is that you you know you, now we're talking about uh, flavor I mean uh, the, the the tastes uh, uh, salty bittersweet acid um, and, uh, and 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 paying less attention to this you know this sort of you know sort of artificial combination of things that, that may have a, a synergy or not uh, right uh, and so if, if if when you build a sense uh, uh, when you build your palate uh, the balance of, of flavors is you know. Be- through practice becomes a very inherent part of your of your you know culinary experience and a lot of these things may be more confusing or Or misleading,
2: right? But I I think what what happens is, is, is with anything else. Look, the people who are using these kinds of ideas, uh, right, or you know, in modernist cuisine, using new pieces of uh, new pieces equipment, new techniques, whatever. These are usually, in general, a very highly creative set of people, and they're looking for inspiration. Like, and I've said this many times. Like the, the the fundamental thing that Ferran gave us was the desire. To look outside of the normal uh, kitchen for our inspiration, Absolutely. you know what I mean, and the, and that—that's the thing. It's not foams or whatever. It's this. It's this. It's this intense curiosity and this, uh, uh, you know, love of learning. And so, as cooks do this, they you know, they're looking for very, you know, di- you know, di- different and disparate sources of uh, of inspiration, and. Is, is this idea of uh, different, chemi- different chemical different uh, chemical shared things could that be a source of inspiration of course. sure of course sure of course but someone who doesn't have the palate to back it up doesn't have the experience to back it up it will be confusing as you say and, and it can and be a disaster a horrible disaster <laughs> horrible yes. so why don't we end this show on horrible disaster <laughs> Thank you Maxime thank you Donna Absolutely. Thank Nastasha you, Dave. see you next week on cooking issues all right